Welcome back to the Constructive Liberty Podcast. Today is in the middle of tax season, and so when I got this application from Matthew Sersley, who's a friend of mine and a tax advisor, I said, wow, that's absolutely perfect. So Matthew has spent the last 12 years as a lawyer. Uh, Most of his career, he's worked as a personal injury lawyer, but then he started his own business. And he spent a lot of time working to reduce his taxes, which is something that we all want to do. Um, He said, eventually, I realized most other business owners couldn't figure out or didn't figure out what he himself had figured it out. So he started another new business, and that is helping people. Well, we'll get into that. So with that, Matthew, welcome to the Constructive Liberty Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. When I saw your application come through, I was super excited about that, hoping to uh, get a few strategies to stick in my own back pocket because <laughs> we are in the middle of tax season or supposed to be over it, but so many of us get behind and have to file extensions and all that. So for me, it's still the middle of tax season. What? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's awesome to to have you on here. I see in your application you call yourself the Agorist Tax Advisor. Where where did that come from? So I'll be honest. Part of it is just marketing that I, I knew that people who know what agorism is or agorism is um, are the people who will tend to be aligned with me and what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Part of it is I, I help people save on taxes. But when it comes to taxes, there's not a lot of black and white. There's a whole lot of gray areas. And so if I give you advice, like it's oftentimes like, okay, this should work. This might work. This could work. And I usually advise people to do the, this should work level. Mm -hmm. And a few people I helped out with their taxes before I had my own business. uh, They were cowards, frankly. They were like, well, I don't want to do anything that's not completely above board. And it's like, well, then I don't want to work with you. Um, You know, you don't have to be stupidly aggressive and do things that are going to get you in trouble, but you know, there are reasonable risks to take in a business and you don't want to overpay your taxes or you're guaranteed to lose money. Right. Yeah. That completely makes sense from, from a marketing perspective. Cause you know, if people don't know what agorism is, they're going to see that and be like, well, he's not for me. So I, that's, that's a really good marketing aspect of it. I mean, what do you think Sorry. The other thing though, is I, I do yeah. consider myself an agorist. Um, you know, if, if I can work in the system and that works for me and my family, I'll do it in the system. If there are things outside the system that, or that break the rules, mm-hmm. I'm going to look at what it's going to cost. You know, it, I had my business open for over a year before I registered it with the county, admin, which in theory, I could have been fined a hundred dollars for not doing that. But I wanted to make sure I had a real business before I paid that, the the money. Yeah. So for sure. you know now, especially since I'm putting myself out there, yeah, I've registered. But starting off, like I'm a big believer in businesses. Like go out and prove you have a business, and then dot all the i's and cross all the t's. Hmm. Yeah, that, that makes I, sense. So, what's the difference between a tax advisor and an accountant? I mean. When I do my taxes, I just go find somebody that has a CPA or tax label on their billboard or sign, or I Google tax accountant or CPA. 
what does a tax advisor do that's different? So some CPAs are tax advisors, um, but a CPA doing the job of a traditional CPA, they are crunching the numbers. Right, they are gotcha. looking at the tax code and saying, okay, you did this, you did that. Here's what you owe. A tax advisor looks at things ahead of time. So, mm. you know, I, I had a lot of people calling me two, three, four weeks ago going, hey, can you do my taxes for me? No, that's, <laughs> that's not what I currently do. Yeah. What I currently do is I help you set up your business now so that when you file taxes next year, you pay a lot less. Gotcha. That can be as simple as, you know, looking through what you can deduct or what you can expense or different ways of doing deductions or expenses that will maximize your money, in your pocket. It could be having you set up an LLC or a corporation. It could be having you change how your LLC or corporation is taxed. There's, I mean, there's thousands of things that affect your taxes. Most of them don't push the needle, but some of them do. And I basically help you find those things. And then I do, how, I, I tell you what to do, or I suggest what you do. So that again, when you file your taxes next year and two years and three years, you end up paying a whole lot less. So basically what you're saying is it's essentially you pay yourself to, to work with you. Like if, I, if I'd hire you to help me plan for the future, it would pay me because you're saving me a lot more money than, than what it would cost to work with you is kind of what I'm hearing because exactly. you're proactive rather than reactive. Exactly. And, you know, I basically run the numbers and for somebody who hasn't done much tax mitigation, if you're making $30,000 take home in your business and you hire me within two years, you've got more money in your pockets. Awesome. If you're making $50,000 or more, you probably break even in the first year. Hmm. And then in future years, everything you do puts thousands of dollars in your pocket. Right. Um, And sometimes it can be huge. I, uh, one of my recent clients, um, probably the, one of the more complicated tax situations I've ever seen for him. We actually split up his business into two businesses. So he had one business um, and mo- to make it more complicated, he also has a day job. <laughs> um, but so part of the business, we put it, we, we left it as it was as being taxed as a sole proprietorship, but we put about $150,000 a year. He was making into a C corp. And by doing that, we cut the tax rate on that $200,000 from 35% to 22%. Wow. That's so he saved nearly $20,000 in taxes wow. just from that one change. Mm-hmm. So like it, it can, sometimes it can be huge, but again, even at, you know, some people are like, Oh, I, I make too little money. It doesn't matter. You don't have to make that much money to save a lot of money in taxes. Right. Especially if, you know, uh, one, one year of working with you can, you can play that out over the next five, 10 years of strategies to at least give you a little bit of better understanding and how to, how to do and structure things in the future. Um, you exactly. mentioned, you mentioned people asking you to do their taxes and you say, no, do you work with CPAs in kind of a partnership or anything where they might have people that want to mitigate their, their taxes in the future? Is, is there any, any of that aspect or how do you, how do you find people to work with? Cause I never heard about a tax advisor until I met you. So there's kind of three parts to the answer to that question. Um, the first is, and, and this is not a guaranteed thing, but I am planning on next tax year, if my clients want me to doing their taxes for them Um, as I grow my business, it makes more sense. You know, when I had 15, 20 clients, 
it didn't make any sense to, to bring somebody on to do that. And while I can do it myself, that's not the best use of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part of the answer is if people already have a CPA, I absolutely work with that CPA. Um, and in fact, basically for the last three weeks, probably every other day, I was on the phone with somebody's CPA going over how to properly file the taxes with what we had done. Mm-hmm. Because the fact of the matter is, you know, nobody knows everything in the tax code. And even people <laughs> using the computer programs, you know, there's basically a CPA version of TurboTax that's way more bells and whistles. Right. But, but you know, if you don't put in the right things, it won't give you the right answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing is I do have one CPA who I commonly refer people to, um, whether they're clients, whether they're people, again, just who they're looking for a CPA, not a tax advisor, and they contact me. Uh, he's a good friend. I've known him for, geez, over probably almost 30 years now. Uh, yeah, we were 10 when we met in fourth grade. Wow. Um, and he is actually both a CPA and an attorney, but he focuses more on the the tax, doing the taxes side of it. Um, and it's great to work with him just because when I, when I have multiple clients with him, again, he knows how I work. I know how he works. And it's a little bit easier to... Uh, to work with him than some other CPAs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It years ago, I thought I wanted to be a computer programmer. And so I, I took a, a course on computer programming. I got some books to study and I started writing simple, basic programs. And it's amazing how, when you write a line of code, you get one little section switched around and it puts out a completely different output. And it sounds kind of like that's what, when you mentioned about the the CPA version of, of TurboTax and, and all of those things, it sounds a little bit like that. If you put something in, maybe restructure it a little bit, you can get a completely different output. It, am, I, am I hearing that kind of right? That's exactly correct. And so um, it, it's a famous mistake a lot of CPAs make. Um, and, and this is a great tax tip for anybody out there with a sole proprietorship. If you pay... If you own the sole proprietorship or if it's a partnership with your spouse, any children who work for you that are your children and under the age of 17, you don't have to pay any payroll taxes. Mm. And so if you're in, say, the 22% tax bracket and you pay your kids $5,000 for actual work they do, that's actually going to be tax-free for them because they have their individual deduct- their, their uh, standard deduction they can use. And so you take out paying the 22% you would be paying plus the 15% payroll taxes. And instead it goes to them. But if you put their pay as wages on your schedule C, you have to pay the payroll taxes. Instead, there's actually a different place to put it in the form and then you don't owe it. And so literally that's one of the things I was checking. I, I have about seven clients last year who were, had their kids working and they were sole proprietorships. And every one of them like, please send me your tax return before it gets filed. I mean, everybody, I asked them to send me the tax return before it gets filed. But for these in particular, I was looking for, did they just put this in the right place? And two of the CPAs missed it. Wow. And so like literally it could have been, and, and it would have been very simple. You know, it, it would have just taken an amendment of the return if the IRS came back and said, you owe money. But you get that letter from the IRS first saying you owe, you know, $10,000, <laughs> uh, you know, who wants to deal with that stress? So it literally, yeah, just putting a number in one box versus a different box 
can change what you legally owe. And again, if, if you if you put the number in the wrong box, the IRS won't necessarily know it's in the wrong box. They're just right. going to say, oh, you owe these taxes. Yeah, that, that, that makes complete sense. And it, it's incredible how just, just a little check in the box can make that big of a difference. How, how much trouble should somebody go through to save one or 2% on taxes? I mean, is, is that that big of a deal? So let's say, let's say you've got a pretty successful business. You're pulling in a hundred grand a year that you're taking home before your taxes of that hundred grand. You're probably spending 70 to $80,000 on the upkeep of your life, your mortgage, your car payment, your insurance, et cetera. Um, if, if you're having, if you have 20% of your income as disposable income, um, you know, you're pretty lucky. But so if you take your taxes down by one or 2%, maybe you take your disposable income in that case from $20,000 to twenty-two dollars or $23,000. So it's like, it's not a 1% increase in your enjoyment of life. It could be a 10% increase in what, in the resources you have to build for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is it, it compounds. Let's say you instead take that money and you put it back into your business. You know, if you had an extra two or $3,000 a year to put into your business in marketing or in hiring people to do things for you, how much quicker could you grow your business? Right. And, and we've all seen the, you know, the <clears throat> compound interest charts, you know, two or 3% <laughs> per year for 10 years ends up being a really big number. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, it depends, I guess, too, what, what you end up doing with that. So if you're somebody who can save that money, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and then reinvest it in the business, like you said, versus just blowing it on a weekend away or, or going out with friends, it makes all the difference in the world 10 years down the road. And that's something that's so often super hard to see is looking down the road 10 years. <laughs> but, but even if even if you do that weekend, that's still something you wouldn't have gotten to do. So your life's right. still better off. Like again, right. I, you know, when I find something and I cut my own taxes by two or three thousand dollars, I tend to put about half of that into my business and about half of that into my pockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. Kind of reward yourself for for doing the work. Exactly for sure. So what what's the advantage of you know working with a tax advisor versus an accountant who Maybe the accountant gives you a few suggestions here and there on things to try, or I mean, what what's the the pros and cons, one way or the other? So it it, it depends a little bit. First of all, a, a good CPA, even who isn't a tax advisor, will at least tell you after they did your taxes, like, hey, if you had done this or if you had done that, you would have saved this money. And so at least next year, hopefully, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um. Something that it's not unique to me, but it's it's a smaller part of the market is I'm an attorney. I'm not a CPA. Um, and because I'm an attorney, people who work with me have attorney-client privilege. And yeah. so especially if you're somebody who maybe wants to be a little more aggressive in your, ta- in your taxes and talk about some hypotheticals, you can talk about that with me. And as long as it's not me helping you to commit fraud, it's all covered by privilege. With a CPA, you have no privilege at all. Literally, it as part of the audit, the IRS can go in and basically say, give us all the notes you've made about this client. Wow. And so if there's a discussion you've had that's been documented, like let's say you were silly enough to email back and forth about, hey, what would happen if I don't pay this tax? 
Well, that's all the proof they need to prove that this was not a mistake. This was tax evasion. Hmm. They request the emails from me. I basically say, go screw yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I actually do people's taxes, that would not apply. I would still be acting as an accountant in that situation. And so um, it gets a little tricky. But when it comes to the actual advising that I do, again, it's all covered by privilege because I'm an attorney. Mm-hmm. And and again, especially for the the uh, the agorists out there, uh, that can be a, a significantly additional benefit. Yeah, for sure. I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> having having that attorney client privileges uh, can be a huge thing for some people. You know, when when you maybe there's a little bit of a penalty you'll pay, but if you do the cost benefit analysis of doing something one way versus the other way, and maybe you get caught, maybe you don't. I don't know. I guess you can weigh those out for yourself. Well, as I mentioned before, there's gray areas, you know, it's, and here's, here's a great example. Having your company pay for your cell phone and your cell phone bill. Technically at one point, the rule was you should actually keep track of the number of minutes you use your phone for work and use it for business. And you should only deduct the amount you use it for business. Hmm. But a lot of people have argued for a long time, like, hey, lots of companies provide cell phones for their employees, and then they let them use it for personal things, too. So when I'm self-employed, I should get that same benefit. It's a bit of a gray area. The IRS has said for some people that's okay, and for some people that's not, and it's case by case. Hmm. And really, it depends on do you need the cell phone for work, or are you just using it for work? Right. Um, but again, it's it's a gray area. so. For all my clients, I usually I say, buy the phone yourself, have your company pay for it. I figure that's a, a reasonable middle ground. Um, some, of my, some of my clients, they write off the purchase of their phone. Some only write off half of the uh, the cell phone bill. So again, it's, it's a bit of a, there is no correct answer. There's what are you going to do? What are you comfortable with? What are you willing to argue to the IRS is a reasonable and necessary thing for your business? Mm-hmm. Um, and to go off on a tangent, like that can matter so much. So I had one client who was trying to write off his gym membership. Well, if he were, say, a, a personal fitness coach, that would absolutely be a reasonable fee. He's got to stay in good shape to help his, to, to, as part, as part of his brand, right? You're not going right. to work with a, a fat physical fitness coach. <laughs> um, if you're a model, that could also be a reasonable thing. Cause again, your appearance matters. If you're say, Oh, a tax attorney, <laughs> eh, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, if you're a tax attorney, definitely some other things might be acceptable. Like, you know, a membership to a country club. If that's a place you actually do business and you market, that's something that you can maybe get to fly, depending on mm-hmm. if you can actually show it's for your business. Right. Whereas that strength trainer, probably not. And again, that model, yeah, probably. Well, you can market yourself as as the fitness coach's tax attorney, and and there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you're meeting you're meeting your other fitness coaches there at the gym. <laughs> uh, so just looking at little loopholes here. <laughs> so how how can you help me or somebody who's listening create those tax goals? What what does that process kind of look like? As somebody contacts you, says, "Hey Matthew, how how can we work together? 
what does the next year look like for us creating a tax plan? Kind of walk through that just a little bit. So for all for any potential clients, um, they can go to my webpage, agoristaxadvice.com, um, uh, made for me by the lovely Nicole Sauce of mm. uh, LFTN. Um, and you and were just said, on her podcast recently, if I remember I, I, right. Correct. I've actually, and, and she's so kind. I've been on her podcast twice, but yeah, I was just on her podcast last week. Um, but you can set up a, a 15 minute phone call with me and that's basically a chance to see a, can I help you? And B, do you want me to help you? So I've had some people, in fact, about half people contact me. It's like, you know what? Either you've already done everything I can think of or almost everything I can think of. So don't waste your money or it's, you know, I can help you, but it probably makes sense for you to build your business a little bit bigger and then contact me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a good fit, if we see I can help you, you want me to help you, frankly, you can afford for me to help you, um, I do a one-year engagement. And we start off that one-year engagement by having a long phone call or Zoom meeting, spend anywhere from about the shortest it's been is half an hour. And once it was almost two hours, it's usually about an hour. Gotcha. And that's me digging nitty-gritty into the facts of your business because little changes matter. And some of it's the facts of your life. Like if you're married, if you have kids, those there are things you can do with that that may affect your taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go back and I write up a tax plan. And there's basically two forms of the tax plan. One is for you're a newer business. You probably don't have any sort of an LLC or corporation yet. So here are the, the, the step-by-step one, two, three, four, five, six to do that. If you're a more established company, it's usually more like, here's five or six things you can do. You can do them in any order. I try to prioritize them based on either being easy or being a big deal. So um, if it takes five minutes, do this now. But maybe this thing's going to take you six hours, but it's, this is going to save you $6,000 in the next year. So find time to spend the six hours on it. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to work for $1,000 an hour? <laughs> um, versus, again, maybe, maybe this thing is going to take you four hours and it's going to save you, you know, $500. That's still a pretty good hourly rate, but right. prioritize it after the big change. Yep. Um, and then I, I send you the tax plan. We have another phone call. If my clients want it, about half do it, about half are like, I, I'm good. Um, and then I'm there for the rest of the year. So if you have questions, you can email me, you can text me. If we're on social media, you can message me through social media. Um, if there's any complicated questions or time sensitive questions, you get additional phone calls with me through the course of the year. I try to do at least one meeting near the end of the year with everybody for, you know, what can we do to change the numbers? You know, do we want to push income into January or do we want it in December? Do we want expenses in January or in December? Um, there's rules, there's rules of thumb for that, but everybody's different. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it may, usually it makes sense to push the income into January but maybe you had, you know, a lot of expenses this year. So you'd actually rather have it this year. Um, but again, I'm just there to answer questions. Um, I have multiple clients who I almost never hear from. I have some clients who I hear from very regularly. Some of that depends on, I, I find that the, 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 most of the newer businesses are a lot more likely to contact me. People who have been in business, especially people who, they have a CPA, maybe they have a business attorney, um, as some of my bigger clients do. You know, some of those questions go to those people instead of me sometimes. Um, and then the goal is in future years, you hire me 
to continue advising you. It's a lot cheaper in future years because I don't have to do the whole tax plan. Right. Gotcha. Makes um, sense. And again, A, I'm still there for advice, but B, the real benefit there is, well, there's two other real benefits. One is um, I'm still learning. Everybody's still learning. Um, so if I see, if I find out something or if there's a change in the tax code, I let people know. Uh, I let my clients know, hey, like, hey, here's an additional thing I didn't tell you you could do, but you could do it. Uh, the other thing is, like, let's say there's a major change in the tax code. You know, it doesn't look like the Biden tax changes are going to happen, but you know, give it five or ten years, there'll be a significant change in the tax code. If nothing else, a lot of the Trump tax code um, actually starts going away this year, and by 2017, sorry, 2027, 2028, most of it's gone. Wow! And that will change what makes sense for some people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've. I've looked at those changes and sometimes I've maybe set something up so that it still works today, but it's better than, but I've definitely got the notes for, okay, like this guy, this guy, this guy, when this goes away, they need make to make sure changes. to contact them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, I just, because I don't want anybody to overpay their taxes, even if somebody's not my client, I'll try to do that. But if they are my client, I'll definitely do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of the tax code, how many pages is it by now? God, I don't even know. It's, <laughs> it, it's like I, I I knew the number at one point, and I want to say it's over ten thousand pages. Wow! And honestly, like a part of me in my brain is going, I think that's actually very low compared to what it is. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's just crazy. How I mean, there 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 can't be any way that they expect anybody to keep up with it. It's just designed to confuse you, isn't it? At some point, yeah. Um, I guess knowing knowing what to focus on within that is what's key, and, and that's where you come in at. Yeah, so – and the, the other thing is that – so at some level, the tax code is very simple. Like the first 20 pages say you owe taxes, and then the next 100 pages are like various tables and percentages and, and that. And then the rest of the tax code is, oh, but you don't owe taxes in this situation. Mm. And so, you know, again, like there's, there's so many little provisions that don't apply to most people. Um, I remember kind of famously, like they're, they were trying to change the tax code to let police officers deduct the cost of their bulletproof vest if they had to buy them themselves. Um, and say, like obviously, it, it, I don't even know if that's in the tax code, but like that's not going to matter to any of my clients because <laughs> I don't work with individuals. I work with people with businesses. Right. Um, I guess it could apply if I work with a police officer who has a side hustle. Um, but again, like, I, I don't really worry about that nitty gritty level of detail normally. But there are there are, again there are huge things that just the first thing is just what type of business should you be? Should you be taxed as a sole proprietorship or a partnership or an S corporation or a C corporation? Like that's going to change everything else about your taxes. So you you kind of start with the big things and you you whittle it down. Uh, the mm-hmm. other thing is, again, you know, some things, maybe it, it makes a 0.01% difference in your taxes. Well, if you're making $50,000 a year, that's probably not worth it. Mm-hmm. If you're making $500,000 a year, now maybe it's worth it. Right. Yeah. So it all it all depends, I guess, on, on where you're at and, and the time you'd have to put into that. that. I completely get that. What are some of the mistakes, the bigger mistakes you see people making on their taxes? 
So the the first mistake people make is they're too scared of the IRS. Um, I, I've I've had three nasty letters from the IRS saying I owed money. Um, one of those times they said I owed them $64,000. And I also got that letter the day before I took the bar exam, which is a very bad time to get it. <laughs> um, and I, I had basically, I had imported my taxes, my, my stocks trades into TurboTax wrong. Mm. And so when I did it all th- and all three times the IRS contacted me, they actually owed me money. Well, that's a nice um, change. <laughs> like in that first case, it ended up being like $300 that was owed back to me. Um, so just because you get a letter from the IRS isn't a big deal. Um, again, don't ignore it, <laughs> but <Right? laughs> like literally like a, a letter or two from either your CPA or me or potentially yourself usually resolves the situation. And the second thing is, and this is something Jack Spirico talks a lot about, you know, if you're in business, you're in business and there are costs of doing business. If there's, you know, again, something that maybe, you know, uh, that's, let's look at like, uh, the, the gypsy taxi cabs. It used to be in New York city before Uber, you know, they knew if they got caught by the police, they could be fined hundreds or thousands of dollars, but they knew they'd make so much money doing it. It was worth paying the fine. Right. And so the smart ones would just have a bank account with, you know, three, $4,000 sitting there for when they got fined and they'd pay the fine and they'd keep doing their business. You know, I'm not telling anybody go break the law, but again, when it comes to taxes in these gray areas, keep a little money, put it in the bank or put it in a safe investment for if you get a letter from the IRS saying you owe money. But the other thing is, you know, you're most of us are going to pay taxes for 50 years of our lives, Mm -hmm. maybe more. So let's say you do something that saves you $500 a year on your taxes and you, you're not committing evasion, you honestly believe this is a legitimate thing to do. And let's say you do it for 10 years. So you save $5,000. And then the IRS comes back and says, oh, no, no, you shouldn't have done this. Well, they can typically only go back three years. So, okay, fine. You give them that $500 for the past three years. You maybe pay another $1,000 in in penalties and interest, Mm -hmm. but you're still $2,500 ahead. The second thing I see people do is, and and I'm guilty of it, most entrepreneurs are guilty of it, is not keeping good records. <laughs> Your yeah. credit card statement is not a valid thing to prove a business expense. You need the receipt. And it's a lot easier to save receipts now with, you know, I, I take a photo of every physical receipt I get, and then I email it to myself, and then I save it with the tag saying, this is for taxes. As I get, you know, receipts from online in my email, I save them. But I mean, it's really, I, I, I have a client who he uh, is a bit of a technophobe. He likes all of his paper copies of things and he had a pipe burst in his house. Oh, and no. <laughs> basically all of his receipts for last year got destroyed. So first of all, he doesn't even know what the numbers are because he didn't have it written down. But even if he did, if he ever got audited, he'd lose the audit because he doesn't have the documents. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really good idea. Like, uh, really, it should be once a month. 
if you're at a side hustle or a smaller business, you can get away, get away with once a quarter. But go through and put stuff in QuickBooks or whatever other accounting stuff you use or get a bookkeeper and send it to your bookkeeper and keep track of stuff. And it makes it a whole lot easier at tax day that you've already got all the numbers put in. And now you're just like, okay, go through once more, see if there's anything missing. But it's it's document, document, document. Keep every slip of paper you can. And the IRS does understand sometimes there's not a receipt. You know, so if you're, you know, if you're claiming a $300 thing out of $5,000 in expenses and you don't have a receipt, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. If it's a $5,000 expense, you better have a receipt. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, that, that's, uh, that makes sense. I, I for sure am guilty of not keeping good enough records. I intend to do at the end of the week and then I'll, no, I can get by once a month. And then, then you end up with a huge stack of, <laughs> <laughs> of receipts that have not gone in for several months and, and they sit there and they pile up and then it's a mess at the end of the year. So that, that one there hit me right between the eyes. <laughs> so, what, so for, for people like from, and I have, you know, this is a side business for me. I have a day job that takes 40, 45 hours a week. So I do it mostly lunch, evenings, weekends. So I try to, the first Saturday of every month, I sit down and I do my accounting for the month. If it's your full-time gig, I suggest you do it like either the, the first Monday or the last Friday of the month. And just like have it on your calendar. Put it on your calendar that this is mm-hmm. the, you know, and, and you know your business. You know, some businesses, my business doesn't have, you know, I don't have 50 new customers a month. and I don't have a whole lot of in and out. Um, or I don't have a large number of transactions. So for me, it takes, if I do it, about an hour. And I know it takes about an hour. And so it's on my calendar. This hour is blocked off to do my accounting for the month. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, one of my clients has an online shop where he basically sells electronic devices that he buys from China and then ships over and then sells. Well, so he's got thousands of transactions a month. Um, I think he actually spends a day and a half wow. um, doing his accounting. And basically what he does is he actually does it. So what he does is he does it weekly and he's got it booked off for uh, basically four hours every Monday. And that way it gets done. And the mm. calendar, it, it's amazing just put, putting stuff on your calendar if you use your calendar. <laughs> it's a lot easier to get stuff done. And it's a lot easier to say, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that thing then. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. Yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of businesses, it's really easy to have $1,000 in expenses you don't deduct. And that's going to be two to $300 out of your pocket. Right. Yeah, I, going back to what you said about the calendar, I'm I'm guilty of putting things in my calendar and then not looking at the calendar. <laughs> so just putting it there doesn't always work. But yeah, it is it is def, does definitely make a difference as to whether or not you get stuff done if you schedule that out and and you are you know strict about keeping the schedule. That that makes a huge difference in in getting the things done. Yeah. So somebody wants to work with you moving forward. What's the first thing they should do to save on their taxes? <laughs> uh, well, it, they should contact me and they should at my website, uh, agoristaxadvice.com and set up a phone call. Um, but 
anybody who wants to save on taxes, whether they're going to work with me, with me or not, the very first thing that, that you need to figure out is what sort of business should you be? Again, should you be a sole proprietorship? Should you be a partnership? Should you be an, an S corp or a C corp for your taxation? And you can be an LLC and be any of those things. So mm-hmm. that's, that's different than your business structure. Um, but that's going to be the number one determination for how much taxes you owe. That determines what's deductible. It determines um, even sometimes the, uh, the the tax rates you pay. Again, uh, C-Corps have their own set tax rate compared to everybody else. Right. Um, but C-Corps have benefits. They can deduct health insurance for their owners where an S-Corp can't. Gotcha. So there's lots of different things. And again, sometimes if your business is big enough, if you're you know making $150,000, $200,000 a year, splitting it up into different businesses can actually be what to do. But that's the first step you got to do is figure out what's the structure of my business because that determines everything else. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Where can people find you to follow you like on social media or anything like that? We'll have your divorce <laughs> tax advice website in the show notes. Where else can people connect with you? So I'm uh, really active on uh, Jack Spierko's, uh survival podcast discord. Okay. Um, I'm pretty active on a couple telegram groups um, and I'm really active on MeWe and float. Um, I love float. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm on Facebook, but my employer knows I'm doing this, but I don't want to rub it in their face. Right. So I don't do any of the stuff on Facebook. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, definitely reach out to me. I'm in a couple of different groups on MeWe, a couple of different groups. Well, not groups on float, but a couple of different things in float. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've had, you know, just sometimes if it's a simple question, I'll just give you an answer there. Um, I'll, I'll cover my ass. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, this is not legal advice and everyone's <laughs> situation is different. And yep. um, uh, one other thing I, I do want to mention. So I, I am an attorney. I'm licensed in Texas and I'm licensed federally. So if you have a tax question about, you know, Tennessee or California or New York, I can't answer that question. Gotcha. I'm not legally allowed to answer that question. Um, but I can still help you with your federal taxes, no matter where you are uh, in the country. You know, if you're a Canadian, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Uh, <laughs> Don't know that tax law. 10,000 um, pages of, of U.S. tax law is <laughs> enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, there's there's a lot I can do to help you on federal taxes. And then your a C, good CPA will help you make sure there's not any state issues that come up. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Matthew, thanks so much. I'll drop these links in the show notes where people can connect with you. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for having me.